Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the Happy Scientist Podcast. Each episode is designed to make you more focused, more productive, and more satisfied in the lab. You can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist. Your hosts are Kenneth Vogt, founder of the executive coaching firm Vera Claritas, and Dr. Nick Oswald, PhD, bioscientist, and founder of Bitesize Bio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Happy Scientist podcast. This is the place to be if you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist. I'm Nick Oswald, the founder of BitesizeBio.com and today we will be drawing on the wisdom of Mr. Kenneth Vogt, the Bitesize Bio team coach and the founder of the executive mentoring company Vera Claritas. Today and in in all other Happy Scientist podcast episodes, you get to benefit from Ken's Yoda-like words of wisdom to help you increase your performance, enjoyment, and success in the lab. And today, we will be discussing how to reason with the unreasonable. Okay, Ken, take it away. <laughs> okay. So, I, I'm sure you've encountered plenty of people that you needed to reason with. It's it's got to be a big part of the job, and sometimes it involves explaining things that are are hard to understand, or sometimes it's things that are not popularly understood, and and maybe you have to convince people of things that they wouldn't normally be open to, and so you encounter all kinds of different reactions to that, and. I'm going to break it down into three different possibilities. Now, now the title was how to reason with the with the unreasonable, but that, that's just one type. <laughs> the the fact is, you have to know how to reason with people who are reasonable, also, if you intend to succeed at it. Then there's the next probably next largest group, or the unreasonable, um, or maybe they're the largest depending on your environment. <laughs> but there's a third group that I'll call the unreasoning. So it's a little different than the unreasonable, and we'll we'll break that down as to why that is. And and there's a way to deal with all of them. So um, you know, not to despair. You may sometimes feel like the only thing, the only way to be you can be successful is with reasonable people, and that's not true. You you can you can get places with people that are unreasonable and even unreasoning, so long as you approach them in the right way. So. Let's, let's begin with talking about the reasonable. So, it, it, some of this may seem kind of obvious, but, but uh, if you don't put it into practice, even reasonable people will not come along with whatever you're trying to present. So, it begins with, you got to detail the facts. Reasonable people care about facts. They care about what's true, what's demonstrable, what's evident. So, you got to give that to them. And you need to use deductive reasoning. And when I say deductive reasoning, think Sherlock Holmes. Um, 
the idea is, you know, there's this, there's this, therefore, there's that. And I, I love something that is ascribed to Arthur Conan Doyle talking, you know, speaking in the voice of Sherlock Holmes, that when you have examined all the possibilities and whatever is left after you've discarded all the ones that are impossible, however improbable, must be the correct position. Now, I realize that was dreadfully paraphrased, but, you know, that's the point. Sometimes it's the conclusions you draw from the facts that are even more important, and they will be very important to reasonable people, especially if you've established that you are reasonable and that, that you're someone who who reasons, who uses their, their thinking apparatus. Now, another thing you have to do, too, in these situations is more than just lay out the facts. You, you actually have to speak out loud the conclusions you've drawn. You might look at it and say, well, anybody would figure that out. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> to, you know, give yourself some credit for being smart and, and give people a chance to catch up and not have to jump through the hoops you got to to get to your end conclusions. So share your conclusions and, and show your work, as it were. You know, give them give them the backup for those conclusions. You're you're also allowed to appeal to authority, and when I say authority, I don't mean authority like who's in charge. I mean authority like authority in in the knowledge space. So uh, if something's already been well established by people who have been very reasonable and dug in deep, by all means reference that authority. Um, so you don't. You, you don't have to ignore everything that went before you. You can stand on the shoulders of giants. And then, and finally, when you're talking to somebody reasonable, try to draw out their curiosity. Get them engaged in what you got interested in. That'll help bring them forward. Um, and maybe they will draw some further conclusions that will be even even more beneficial than the ones you've already got to. And maybe, maybe they can then reason with you. <laughs> so it's good for you. So Nick. You do encounter a lot of reasonable people in the lab. Uh, yeah, you would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's an it's an interesting one. This actually, the way that the way that you that you uh, and maybe this is this is just one side of how you're looking at it. And uh, I'm I'm just trying to check whether I'm going to just no. I don't think I am. Uh, I'm going to give away what you're about to say anyway. <laughs> but um, the. One thing that I think what you said it all makes perfect sense. It's all very reasonable. Um, one thing is that you're starting off by assuming that you are right, though. That's you know, true. That, that's what it sounds like. And so my sort of like slight addendum to this would be to the, the, as in reasoning with any of these people, you have to you have to be willing to listen as well to their to their side of the um of the equation sort of thing if it's because even in i've seen in science and elsewhere even people who are experts in the same thing they have looked at the same facts and they've come up with different conclusions and they'll belligerently argue the point and not listen to each other and um and again, a lot of the problems that you see in the world are people not listening to each other. And whether one is right or one is wrong, it's, it matters. But it's, 
it also matters that you listen and respect each other because when you lose respect, things start to disintegrate. Right. And you cut yourself off from a lot of, of useful input too then, things that could make your position stronger. Yeah. So, I mean, my I just wrote down a couple of things here that, you know, you have the facts and you, and you reach conclusions from the facts. Again, as scientists, you're always bat you're always batting against um, the the fact that the fact that your beliefs um, cloud your how you convert the facts into conclusions, um, your opinions, who you, who you listen to in the world, and so on. Um, and again, and those are reason- those are required things because yeah, we course. couldn't get through life if we didn't do that. <laughs> exactly, but the danger is that. And I hope I'm not derailing the whole subject here. Hmm. Um, but the, the danger is that not to use reason to uh, create division. Right, right. Well, the, when I wrap up, we're going to come back to, to this. Uh, I knew you would have done that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all right. No, no, you didn't give anything away that shouldn't be given away. And, and, and you've, opened, you've opened the door. So uh, everybody, keep, yeah, keep listening. There's come more coming. So, so uh, let's go to the next group. Now, I say the next group of people. I want to be clear here. It, any individual can, in the moment, be reasonable or unreasonable or unreasoning. So it, it isn't like, oh, this this person is reasonable, therefore I'm going to do this. Maybe. And maybe on this particular topic, they're unreasonable. You know, they've got deep, deep opinions or beliefs about it. Or it triggers them in some way that... You know, you may not even know why, but you know it does. So, so it isn't a matter of of you know pasting somebody as this person is unreasonable. Well, just in this setting, if they're if they're demonstrating to you that they are unreasonable in this this particular conversation, well, then you're going to have to switch up your tactics a bit. So the first thing you have to do with somebody that you consider to be unreasonable, and remember, this is very much a value judgment. The first thing you have to do is you have to be open-minded. They they have a different position than you. That that's obvious. So you want to hear what it is. You want to do your best to f- understand it, because even if you completely don't agree, you know, even if they're just totally just totally off their rocker as far as you're concerned, you want to know how they're off their rocker. <laughs> you want to get how they. You want to understand how they got there. Then once you've got that, got some semblance of, of understanding of where they are, no matter how much you disagree with it, then the thing you got to do is you got to search for some common ground. And chances are there is some, um, if you're willing to see it. Now, if you, if you just, again, if you're just going to pace them as unreasonable and I just don't want to engage with that, I don't want to deal with that, well, you're not going to get very far. But if... If they feel really off the reservation from your viewpoint, if you can find some things you have in common, well, now you got a place to start. And you can reference those things. You can go to those things. And now, instead of just, here's the facts and here's the obvious conclusion, you start with, an, is, with a proposition as a possibility. So we, I've cons- considered these, these facts as a possibility, and I've considered this outcome as a result. And you're not presenting it as the one and only truth. You're not claiming that, you know, you have 
you have the absolute perfect vision of what it all is. You're just saying, well, this is what it looks like from this position. If you, if we agree on these facts, and if we agree that this is a reasonable position to draw from those facts, that's this is where we would end up right now. But what do you think? And again, it's like what Nick was talking about earlier. You got to be open, open-minded, and you got to listen. You got to hear what they have to say, because a lot of times. What you're considering to be unreasonable is in reference to the facts you possess. But it is quite possible they have additional facts that you aren't yet aware of. Now, when you add those facts in, all of a sudden what sounded unreasonable a moment ago can change to being completely reasonable. Now, I'm not talking about the, the nut job thing of, of the idea of alternative facts. You know, the facts are facts. You know, <laughs> the, the alternative fact as a phrase, as an oxymoron. But often there there is more to a picture than what, what we we ourselves see. And See, see yeah. here's, a, here's another way to look at this, though, as well. So in science, this one works as well, is that... Now, let's see, make sure I get this right. So you're talking about... So I, I, I'm coming from a position of I have facts uh, that I'm basing my conclusion on and the other person disagrees. And... Uh, and that person may not may not have may or may not have facts that mean that they that they uh, that are driving that uh, disagreement. If we if I was back in the nineties and I was saying uh, my I would be saying from what we know the um, the re- the regions on the genome between genes are junk DNA. Right. Okay. And that there are, there were no facts. Well, there probably were threads of facts. Um, assembling that that sort of uh, voided that conclusion, but you wouldn't be able to give a definitive um, rationale, a def- definitive um, counter to that, apart from the fact that, again, that thing that I mentioned before is that, as you know, from f- as far as we can tell so far, with the data we have so far, this is what it looks like. This is the, the this is what it is, and I think that's something that we that that happens quite a lot is that we harden those those fa- those into into facts into laws rather than being um, the 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 latest best uh, opinion based on the facts that we have so far. Sure. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's a trap we fall into a lot in science where we harden that into something and then we make everyone else unreasonable because. Uh, we, you know, that's that's extreme cases, but you always have to be aware that those edges of the scientific knowledge of scientific knowledge, the leading edge is always quite soft. I think. Right. Well, and I'm using the word facts somewhat loosely. I mean, there's such a thing as data. Now, data is just black and white, but data is also, you know, very sterile. You know, we have to turn data into information. And perhaps we turn information into facts. So it's it's several steps down the line. And the semantics are important, though, because yeah. you, you're 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 saying you, you know we we talk about um, as soon as you convince yourself you're talking about facts, you use the word facts. You're you're, you're um, you you convince yourself. It's easy to convince yourself that this is factual. It's not just the latest information that we have. And then it's then you talk about this person being unreasonable because they don't accept the facts. When really the bit the more accurate description is they seem unreasonable to me from this position, right? And then it's a small step to start, um, you know, 
calling them stupid, giving them labels, making it so that their opinion is is um, so uh, devalued that it's never worth listening to them again. And then you just start creating rifts. Anyway, I'm saying the same thing again. But well, the, I would like to point out this particular conversation. This is this is a good example of this. You you basically listened to what I had to say and then felt it is unreasonable to describe facts this way. And and you gave your case for it. And you know, and then then I elucidated a bit more about what I meant by facts. And now, so we're having a reasonable conversation as a result, even though you might have found some of my statements to be less than perfectly reasonable. That's awesome. That's what we want, and that's what we have to have. But the, I, again, the the thread of what I'm the angle I'm coming at is that the the the, the ingredient that can never be missing here is respect. Um, and you you mentioned finding common ground. Well, you know, if nothing else, you're both human beings. So sure. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine in most cases in the lab that you've got lots of common ground. I mean, you probably don't have too many people that you think are just absolutely enemies out there. You know, no, 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 no. Although you, there are quite, you do get the, uh, the head to heads. <laughs> well, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with spirited debate. You know, as, as long as, as you say, you stick to being respectful at the end of the day. Like it's like you, when you watch two fighters get into a to boxing ring who are actually friends. When they're in a boxing ring, though, they're having a boxing match. But afterward, there's a hug and a, and a handshake. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I think I'm commenting because I've seen it go to the to the, to the extreme of that guy's an idiot. I'm never listening to him again. It's yeah, like, that's, well, that's hardly an argument, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a very if you're if you're going there, your argument is very weak. <laughs> yeah. Well, you so, you miss out on the possibility because what if this person comes up with some really great, you know, data that that adds to what you're both studying? Because generally it'll be you're both studying the same thing or whatever. And yeah, like what you're hearing, ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors. Discovering your core mindsets and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download. So there you go. So I want to add one other one other flavor to this on top of the idea of uh, respect, and that is when you're it's when you're talking to someone where you feel like they're being a bit unreasonable. And you can't really appeal to them based on facts any further than you already have. Well, you can appeal to honor. You know, and that that brings them back to, you know, for the for the state for the sake of our our lab, for the sake of our field, you know, for the sake of science. That, you know, please engage with me. Please listen. And, and I want to be clear here, this is very different than trying to shame somebody into it. You're not trying to say, you know, if you don't act honorably, then you're a scumbag. You know, <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> you know, we want to, we want to, you know, you're, you're going to catch more flies with, with honey than with vinegar. So, <laughs> you know, go with the, the things that work. 
Yeah, it's like it's like agreeing to the rules of the game. It's like for the sake of boxing, don't kick me in the <laughs> nether regions. You know what I mean? Because exactly. then the game stops being the game. <laughs> All right. So then to the third group, and this one I hope you don't encounter this too on a too often in your field, but I'm sure it happens, and it definitely happens in your life. And that is when you encounter the unreasoning. People that are not using their power of reason. Well, that's because they're being motivated by something else, and that something else is probably an emotion. So when somebody who's unreasoning, what you got to do with them is you got to uncover what is the emotion behind what's driving them. Where did that, you know, where is it coming from? Why are they, why are they being this way? Why are they not willing to hear what you have to offer? So once you've uncovered the emotion, it's important that you acknowledge the emotion. You got to make it clear that, look, I'm not making you a bad guy because you're coming from fear or you're coming from feeling disrespected or you're coming from anger or you're coming, whatever the emotion may be. Um, if you acknowledge the emotion, it's understandable that based on your experience that you would feel that way. It's, it's, it's not a hard thing to say. That's never, I don't care how, how crazy they are seeming to you. You can, you can look somebody in the eye and sincerely say to them, if I were you, I'm sure I would see it that way myself. Well, you're not them, so don't worry about it. It's not going to get on you. You're, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get dirty here. Yeah, but you know, if they're really coming from a place where they're totally unreason, you know, unreasoning and totally emotionally driven, then acknowledge that. Oftentimes, people that that operate that way in this moment, that's a big pattern in their life. And it's a part of their life that they think is right, that they think is correct. And they may be getting a lot of pushback from a lot of directions because of it. So to have somebody acknowledge it, it's not about validation here, just acknowledging it. I hear you. I hear what you are saying. And I understand that it's coming from this. That is very powerful. The next thing you can do with somebody like that then is start speaking to them in their own language. If you find them using phrases or using certain words to describe certain things, start joining them in that. And if you insist on your language, it, when somebody's being emotional, forget it. They're, they're never coming along. So, you know, you, it, it's really... It's really powerful to use their language. Language is a very, uh, you know, it's a it's a very strong thing in human human experience, and you know, it's it's fairly unique to us. <laughs> you know, there's some argument that there's some animals that have a certain amount of language, but no animals got language like humans. And this language has done a lot for uh, building us into what we are and creating our cultures and creating the scientific advancement that we have. So, so use that language and use it to your advantage. The next thing you have to do is, you know, they probably have uh, revealed that they've got some kind of framework that they're seeing the world in. Well, stay in their framework. When you step outside of it, they're going to have a hard time again. They're going to go back to emotional responses. But if you can isolate that framework of how they see the world and speak to them in that framework, now you've got you've got some handles where you, where you can get somewhere with them. Now I mentioned a moment ago that we that you're not doing this to validate them. 
And validation is a very slippery slope. And it's become very popular in some some cultural settings these days that, you know, people need their feelings validated. Well, some feelings are not valid. <laughs> not by any regular definition of that word valid. Now, we're not saying that somebody's perspective is wrong because, you know, no, everybody has a perspective. It comes from, from a unique place. But it isn't about saying that their perspective is the truth. And when you start joining into that, especially if you're doing it insincerely, you're gonna you're not gonna make your case. You're not gonna you're not gonna sway people to your way of thinking, at least not for long. They're gonna feel they're gonna feel tricked, they're gonna feel manipulated, and that never turns out well. And uh, yeah, that's the other slippery slope there, manipulation. You're not in things to win, win arguments or, you know, that's not the point. We should be seeking the, 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 the highest truth that we can, that we can come up with. I mean, science is all about that, which we can validly demonstrate. Well, let's stick to that. Let's not make it about, well, I, I'm clever so I can win the argument and because clever, clever is not the same as intelligent. In fact, it's it's rather it rather has a devious overtone to it. Did you, did you hear? Did you hear there was a, a there was a a survey published here in the UK this week where they tested they were trying to remove the the perceived barrier to people going to be rocket scientists and neuroscientists. You know that it's not rocket science, mm-hmm. and they did. Uh, so they did tests on all sorts of tests on a group of neuroscientists, a group of rocket scientists, and and different groups of members of the public. And while the skill sets were different, you know, the, the neuroscientists were better, better at making fast decisions than the average person on the street and, and so on, the, the overall level of intelligence was the same in the in the different groups. It was quite, quite an interesting um, study. So there's different, you know, there's the, it's the, just highlights the difference between clever uh, intelligence and training and skill sets. Sure. Yeah, and we've talked before about the, you know being arrogant and how damaging it can be. And if you're dealing with somebody that's unreasoning, being arrogant is really not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to help. And even if you you know you can if you win the argument, well you know you win the battle, but you lose the war, and it, it's not worth it. Now, there's, there's two uh, articles we'll have in the show notes that may be worth looking at. One is entitled, How to Escape the Trap of Reason. Um, because reason is, it only gets you so far, as we've discussed. <laughs> and the second one is, you can't think your way out of this. And that one is talking about people that rely deeply on reason. And I want to point out here, reasonable, unreasonable, and unreasoning this applies to you too. <laughs> hard. Oh God! That's yeah, <laughs> might be hard to hear for some, but the fact is, all of us do all three of these things. Now, the sad part is, if we spend most of our time being unreasonable or worse yet, unreasoning, well, we're wasting a lot of potential skill there. And I think that might go back to your survey. You know, you, if you've got these uh, training and skill sets, but you're not using them. 
what a shame that is. What a loss it is for for your field and for humanity. <laughs> you know, so we always we want to be as reasonable as we possibly can, but uh, but we don't want to become such a stick in the mud that we can't be open minded. Sometimes being unreasonable on purpose is useful. It's like I'm gonna. What if we just that devil's advocate? <laughs> yeah. What if we just you know what? There's no reason to doubt it, but maybe that isn't junk DNA there after all. <laughs> You know, well, that's how the, that's how this got found out that um, it's not so simple. <laughs> hmm. So, what, one other thing that kind of uh, occurs to me is it's important to be aware that there's an edge of reason where it's not where it's not um, you know beyond reason where where a reasonable argument doesn't work anymore. And uh, one example I was thinking of. Uh, just to use a historical one because then it's a bit less, um, yeah, less emotional. Is uh, back in say the early two thousands when we start uh, work on when stem cells became start coming into their own, and the way that we, uh, we the only way we were able to get stem cells was to harvest them from embryos, and or you know embryos that were um, that had been aborted, and so that. So the, the reasonable argument was we can we we can do this research, we can work on these cells, and then we can use them to cure diseases and, and so on. And there was no, you know, now we now you, we can we can make stem cells from other cells, so we don't need to harvest them from embryos. So so part a big chunk of this uh the the, the opposition to this is gone now. Um but at that point there, there was an argument about, you know, an argument about, yeah, okay, that's that's all very reasonable. We can do that. We could cure children of all sorts of diseases, you know, um, and and people of all sorts of diseases. But the the whole idea for some people, the whole idea of using that, using these um, uh, aborted embryos as a uh, as a source for these stem cells was. So in opposition to their worldview that it didn't matter what the reasonable argument was, they couldn't accept it. And then, then, so as, as a scientist, it's tempting to just drive home the benefits argument more and more. But but that that you're talking a different language. So that this is where the integration of science into society becomes delicate and not just about reason, and it has to be respected. I think. Um, and um, I, I think that that that's one one position that I I've seen, and I used to be very arrogant and take this sort of thing where it's like if I can argue the benefit, then all I have to do is argue that benefit louder, and you have to listen to me because I'm I'm right, and it, and but the the reality is much more nuanced, you know that the the well, whole. I, I, I love what you just said there. This is. You have to listen to me because I'm right. That is so not true. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. However, the idea—I was right in one way. That you know, if I'm if I'm taking this the, the the that side of the argument of we can use this technology to 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 save people's lives and make their lives better. That's correct, right? But yeah. Oh, I but, don't disagree that it was the statement. You can you can be one hundred percent right, and it's still. 
doesn't require them to listen to you. Yeah, yeah. I, and and the whole, uh, you know, around that time, the whole idea of science communication was becoming more and more, um, more and more of a thing. People were coming more and more of the way, the need for it. And I think, I, I, I hope it's getting better, but at that time, it did seem to me anyway, and maybe that's just because that's who, uh, of the way that I saw things. At that time, science communication was more about bludgeoning, it became a little bit about bludgeoning people with these ideas and taking someone with, you know, for, who has an unreasonable, in quotes, um, as an, an, a non-reason-based reason, uh, uh, argument against the reasoned argument and, and saying that the reasoned argument should win just because it was reasoned. Um, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, uh, well, I, because I, that's the assumption then is that there is no higher way of, of uh, assessing something than to reason on it. Yeah. And that's not true. And yeah. I realize I, for a lot of people that is a disturbing statement. But reason is just a foundation. It's not the end-all be-all. There's more. And the emotional nature of humans is highly valuable. So you know, let's let's not forget to engage it. And the way to see it is 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 that you, regardless of who you are, you have the you have an edge where you don't think reason, you know, where where you're not prepared to go any further. You see, I mean, where like for example, um, you know, human cloning cloning that can be done and it would potentially have benefits, I presume, but. I would think it'd be very difficult to find people who wanted to do that. Well, and thus you know. there is such a thing as ethics in science, you know. Well, ex well, this is what I mean. Yeah, this is this yeah, is and it becomes it's ethics. a whole field now too. <laughs> ethics is really where science goes, starts bleeding out into the non-reasonable and and into the um, well. I I'm not an expert on this, but this is the way that I, this is the way that I see yeah. it. So. Well, it's like what you were talking about earlier that. It's not just about communication among scientists. You're communicating with non-scientists too, and it matters that you communicate with non-scientists. It's the the world is being benefited by scientists who are willing to to bring things down to a level that the non-scientists can understand. It's expanding humanity to do so. Yeah. So it's a How, wonderful. However, thing. the trap the trap is. And again, this is always acknowledged when you do scientific communication training. I think this is just a good angle on it. Is that the trap is to when you start becoming top down, when you think you're preaching to people about the way it should be instead of offering an, a, a here's a potential tool that that, that society at large can use, um, rather than trying to just bludgeon it in because you you think it should be there. If you see what I mean. Well, I was thinking about if you were a scientist that that helped create medical devices, for instance. You don't look at doctors like they're too stupid to understand. You, you do have a different skill set, though. You know, so you realize, well, I got to communicate in such a way that a doctor will understand how this will be useful to them. Excellent. Well, if you can do that with a doctor, you can do that with anybody. You can do that with, uh, you know, a high school student. You know, I'm, <laughs> I was seeking an example of something that nobody's going to be offended, you know. <laughs> But, uh, okay, you know, there are people that are less educated than you in the world uh, on your topic. Great. Figure out a way to communicate with them. And this, this approach when it comes to reasonableness is, is one way of looking at it. Well, that was an interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you again, Ken, for another 
Oh, that was a really great topic. Again, uh, you know how to get things going, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the way you got engaged with it too. <laughs> so uh, that just leaves me to mention, though, that if you want to uh, see any more of our episodes, they are uh, at all at bitesizebio.com forward slash the happy scientist. Uh, and just as importantly, if you want to tell us, tell me I was all wrong there. That's fine. Mm -hmm. That could be correct as well. Um, we are at facebook.com forward slash the happy scientist club. And you can feel free to contact us or, or uh, just join us up and, and look at what we're doing there. And yeah, it'd be good to see you there. Uh, so until that just leaves us to say goodbye until the next episode. So again, thanks, Ken. And Thank we'll you. See you for the next one. Very good. scientist is brought to you by bite size bio your mentor in the lab bite size bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of phd scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the bite size bio community Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.